Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the February 24th, 2023 Friday reading of the Arc Valley Voice News Program. My name is Michelle Wexler. Today we will be reading the following main articles. Colorado's U.S. Senators invite Postmaster Louis DeJoy to tour USPS facility in Colorado, written by Jan Wondra. Colorado Democrats unveil bill to establish waiting periods for firearm purchases, written by Arc Valley Voice staff. Injunction withdrawn, Vroomans to be given time to say goodbye to Echo, written by Jan Wondra. Chafee BOCC approves Shaw Heritage Water Subdivision exemption, sets RICD flow days, and following up with miscellaneous articles. We begin with the first article, Colorado's U.S. Senators invite Postmaster Louis DeJoy to tour USPS facility in Colorado. This posted by Jan Wondra. Bennett, Hickenlooper, urge DeJoy to address mail service issues across the state. On Thursday, Colorado U.S. Senators Michael Bennett and John Hickenlooper invited U.S. Postal Service, USPS Postmaster Louis DeJoy, to join them on a tour of a USPS facility in Colorado to see firsthand the ongoing service and delivery challenges that Coloradans face. There is no word on whether DeJoy has accepted their invitation, but at least this is another step in getting the man who is supposed to be paying attention to do so. Some of Chafee County's post offices have been at the forefront of the problems faced by the USPS, with mail delayed not just days, but weeks. Buena Vista, BV, and Nathrop post offices have been short-staffed, leading to long waits for service, early shutdowns, and delays in the delivery of everything from critical medicines to ballots and disability checks. In the case of Nathrop, the post office went not just weeks, but months without tech needs being addressed missing a computer modem so that it couldn't process credit cards or track packages, quite literally sending it back to the 19th century. Often, staff in Nathrop would be pulled over to the BVUSPS service desk, leaving Nathrop customers confronting closure notes on the doors to wonder what on earth was going on. Our office has worked closely with the Colorado-Wyoming USPS District Office on these issues, and it is clear that the district is strapped for resources and attention from Washington. We're hopeful Postmaster DeJoy and USPS leadership will come to Colorado to see the challenges their staff and our communities face firsthand, said Bennett. 
In their letter, Bennett and Hickenlooper highlight numerous ongoing issues that local communities and USPS staff identified as obstacles to USPS's ability to deliver quality mail service in Colorado. The senators urge DeJoy to address USPS staffing shortages by streamlining their hiring process, to partner with communities to identify affordable housing for USPS staff, and to invest in the physical infrastructure of USPS facilities to accommodate greater package volumes. The senators also asked that USPS provide regular updates to the congressional delegation so offices can jointly hear the comprehensive steps USPS leadership are taking to address constituent and community concerns. For over two years, our offices have received a sharp rise in complaints from Coloradans about longer delays in mail delivery and gaps in other USPS services, said the senators in the letter. These communities report that post offices in Colorado have had limited hours, hour-long lines to pick up mail and packages, and poor facility maintenance. Colorado and the country rely on USPS's universal service mandate to receive essential documents and services, concluded the senators. Poor and inconsistent USPS service not only falls short of community expectations, it violates their trust in USPS. Bennett and Hickenlooper have said they understand that Coloradans rely on USPS to receive vital benefits and prescriptions, stay connected to family, and cast their ballots, and remain committed to improving the reliability and service of the USPS. Last February, Bennett urged U.S. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer to bring the Bipartisan Postal Service Reform Act to the floor as soon as possible. And after the bill passed the Senate, Bennett applauded its potential to provide USPS with the financial stability to support more reliable delivery and service. In October, Bennett urged USPS officials to seize the opportunity provided by cost savings from the bill to improve on-time deliveries, service, and operations in Colorado. That story, Colorado's U.S. Senators invite Postmaster Louis DeJoy to tour USPS facility in Colorado. And next up, Colorado Democrats unveil bill to establish waiting periods for firearm purchases. This posted by Arc Valley Voice staff. Today, the Colorado House of Representatives introduced legislation sponsored by Representatives Meg Frolich and Judy Amabile and Senators Tom Sullivan and Chris Hansen to establish a three-day waiting period to purchase a firearm. The research is clear. This legislation will reduce suicide deaths and homicides, said Representative Meg Frolich, Democrat Englewood. By delaying access to a firearm, waiting periods create opportunities to intervene and prevent impulsive acts of gun violence. 
We are committed to advancing common-sense proposals like this bill that will improve public safety and reduce gun violence in our communities. Right now, if you want to get your hands on a gun, you can do so with near immediacy, said Senator Tom Sullivan, Democrat Centennial. Whether you intend to harm yourself or others, waiting periods on firearm purchases delay immediate access to weapons and cut down on impulsive acts of violence. I'm proud to champion this legislation that will save lives and create safer communities for all Coloradans. When someone is in crisis, readily accessible firearms make it easier for them to attempt self-harm or engage in other violent acts, said Representative Judy Amabile, Democrat Boulder. Waiting periods limit options to obtain a firearm for someone who may be contemplating suicide or making a quick decision to engage in violence. No single piece of legislation will stop every gun death, but simple and broadly supported solutions, like three-day waiting periods, will save lives, improve public safety, and make a real difference in reducing firearm-related deaths in Colorado. A cooling-off period could be the difference between life and death for a person in the midst of a mental health crisis, said Senator Chris Hansen, Democrat Denver. This legislation is backed by research and will reduce gun deaths by suicide and homicide. I'm incredibly proud of Colorado's leadership on this issue and am eager to continue to take meaningful steps forward, like implementing a three-day waiting period to reduce the epidemic of gun violence. Research shows that creating a waiting period for purchasing a firearm has led to a 7 to 11 percent reduction in suicides by firearm and a 17 percent reduction in firearm-related homicides. In 2020, Colorado had the seventh highest suicide rate in the U.S., and in 2021, there were 740 suicides by firearm in Colorado, accounting for more than half of all suicides in the state. From 2014 to 2019, the number of firearm deaths in Colorado was greater than recorded deaths from motor vehicle crashes and opioid overdoses. Among firearm deaths, more than 75% were caused by intentional self-harm or suicide. House Bill 23-1219 would establish a three-day waiting period to purchase a firearm. Creating a waiting period delays immediate access to firearms and can help prevent impulsive acts of violence, including suicides, homicides, and assaults. Current law mandates that a state and federal background check be completed before a firearm can be transferred. Background checks can typically take far less than three days to complete. In the case they take longer, the firearm cannot be transferred until the background check is complete. Transferring a firearm prior to the expiration of the waiting period would be a civil infraction, punishable by a $500 fine for the first offense and a $500 to $5,000 fine for a second or any subsequent offenses. The bill would not apply to antique firearms 
or to sales taking place between active duty military service members. That story, Colorado Democrats unveil bill to establish waiting periods for firearm purchases. Continuing in the news, injunction withdrawn, Vrooman's to be given time to say goodbye to Echo. This posted by Jan Wundra. In the end, the Chafee County court case involving the Danif Mastiff named Echo came down to Colorado property rights, which did not make the tears shed in the courtroom any less real or the situation any less heartbreaking. This is a very emotional case in our community, said Chafee Judge Diana Bull. The court has to follow the law and treat this under contract law. I know the property we're talking about is not just a car or a house. The Thursday morning preliminary hearing addressed the motion for injunction filed by Sean and Sophia Vrooman to attempt to stop the euthanization of the 170-pound echo, which hinged on the constitutionality of the contract they signed when they brought Echo to the AVHS shelter. We agree the disposition of the animal is at the discretion of AVHS, said Bull. The court does not believe based on reasonable interpretation. I do not believe one can interpret this in any other way. AVHS can determine the disposition of the animal. This is an unambiguous contract. The court ruled that Echo is considered the property of the Ark Valley Humane Society under Colorado Statute CRS 35-80-106 and denied the request for injunction. An agreement was reached more than two hours into the preliminary hearing in which the Vroomans withdrew their motion for an injunction and in exchange they are being given the opportunity at 10 a.m. Friday, February 24th to see him and say goodbye to him. The Vroomans' attorney, Ryan Drengler, had alleged that the contract did not include the key policies that AVHS said it referenced and that the Vroomans had made it clear to the shelter that if a family couldn't be found to adopt Echo, that they wanted him back. They provided statements that AVHS staff members had told them that was possible. Drengler raised the question of whether the contract was fully integrated or partially integrated, meaning that there were key words and euthanization policies that weren't in the contract on which AVHS is now acting, of which the Vroomans weren't informed. During testimony, AVHS staffer Nicole Ritter admitted that the policies regarding euthanasia weren't necessarily readily readily available and weren't on the contract, although she said she knew there were internal policies about the euthanization of animals at AVHS. There was nothing I could have provided, she said from the witness stand. I don't have access to anything like that. I would have spoken to management about it. Then she confirmed that there was one manager on duty that day. Defense attorney Randy Canney added to the emotions of the room after his blunt comment, they gave up a dog, AVHS accepts a dog, by saying that attempting to say that contracts need to include everything, that this is leading to the ridiculous attorney overwriting of contracts. 
It's absolute legal nonsense, just so you don't come into court and argue those two items aren't in the contract. This isn't a services contract, he added. After the relinquishment, it's done. You give up all rights to the dog. It's A, B. It's done. If that isn't clear enough, they say we don't always have to tell you if it is transferred or euthanized. This leads directly to the press release put out by AVHS more than week, a week ago, in which Executive Director Amber Van Luken said that they were prevented from allowing the dog to go to another trainer because they couldn't be released from liability for what he might do. The claim is that this is a state reality, which AVV is investigating. It is assumed that unless AVHS relents and allows one of the now dozens of large dog breed trainers and animal behaviorists from across the country and North America, including Save Rocky the Great Dane Rescue and Rehab Charity, SRGDRR, the largest Great Dane Rescue in North America, who have offered to take Echo and retrain him, he may be dead by Friday evening or soon after. At the moment, he remains in a cage that the Vroomans say does not meet his size, and he is being drugged with 250 milligrams of trazodone twice a day to keep him calm. Unless some statement has come out of which AVV is not aware, the Board of Directors of Arc Valley Humane Society has not issued any kind of statement. No actual written policy related to AVHF euthanization policies has been produced. Given that AVHS has, according to their own record, put down 12 dogs in the past two years, this would seem to be a necessary policy that should be disclosed to the public. Update. The following statement arrived in AVV's general mailbox and was not retrieved until after AVV's 5 p.m. posting sweep. It comes from AVHS Executive Director Amber Van Luken, not from the AVHS Board of Directors. Arc Valley Humane Society granted ownership of relinquished dog, Salida, Colorado. Following a hearing at the Chafee County Courthouse on Thursday, February 23rd, the complaint against the Arc Valley Humane Society, AVHS, was withdrawn and the injunction dismissed pertaining to ownership of Great Dane Mastiff Dog Echo. Preceding the hearing, Echo was relinquished by his previous owners to AVHS on Thursday, February 2nd, and has been in AVHS care since then. Please reach out to AVHS Executive Director Amber Van Luken with any questions. That story, entitled Injunction Withdrawn, Vroomans to be given time to say goodbye to Echo. That posted by Jan Wondra. And continuing in the news, Chafee BOCC approves Shaw Heritage Water Subdivision Exemption, sets RICD flow days. This posted by Jan Wondra. BOCC discovers a glitch in Heritage Water Subdivision interpretation. In a little more than an hour-long meeting, on Tuesday, February 21st, the Chafee Board of County Commissioners, BOCC, approved its first five-year event permit, made quick work of the consent agenda, and approved the Shaw Heritage Water Subdivision exemption after the longest discussion of the day. 
They finished off by approving the eight-day County Recreational In-Channel Diversion, RICD, when water rights for the RICD are required to be 1,800 cubic feet per second. Shaw Heritage Water Subdivision Exemption Commissioners opened discussion on the Shaw Heritage Water Subdivision exemption, which has been repeatedly continued and immediately revealed a quirk in the exemptions that have been approved over the past few years. The original intent of the Heritage Water Subdivision exemption was to protect wells permitted prior to 1972 or wells that have a prior designation of beneficial use, in other words, to protect that water right. The problem, over the past few years, the county has applied the Heritage Water Subdivision exemption to a few applications involving wells that are newer than 1972. The well for this application was permitted in 2012, so it doesn't meet the original intent of the Heritage Water Subdivision exemption. But it turns out we've approved other wells just as new or newer, said Principal Planner Greg Loudenslager. There is a need for a text amendment to the legislation for wells permitted prior to 1972 or that have a prior designation of beneficial use. The ones approved didn't meet the intent, but they were approved, which highlights the need for a text amendment. Upon review, the BOCC confirmed there had been a handful approved in the last few years, which appears to be a precedent, even though it doesn't meet the original intent of the permit. County staff has discussed the situation with the applicant whose pending boundary adjustment application was also on the day's agenda. With staff, the BOCC decided that it would make a lot more sense for the Shaw proposed small two-and-a-half-acre parcel to be part of the parcel that will have a community water system, rather than be served by an exempt well, keeping the heritage well with the 35-acre remainder parcel. There was no public comment. During deliberation, Planning Director Miles Cottom pointed out that a new state statute, Senate Bill 20-155, stipulates that wells permitted after 1972 do not need to be re-permitted if they are on land that is to be subdivided. County staff confirmed they do intend to talk with state water officials in the Division of Water Resources in charge of well permitting regarding the county's unique heritage water subdivision exemption and how it now lines up with new state statutes. The board voted unanimously to approve the application and to request that staff prepare a resolution for March 14th with three conditions that the applicant obtains an augmentation certificate for the new lot, that two plat notes be added, amending them and include the additional lot in the area that will be served by the community well. After that complication, it became a straightforward matter to approve the Shaw Ranch Plat Amendment. The motion to approve included the need to reference that the community water system is to be set up from an engineering standpoint, with a resolution prepared for final approval on March 14th. The Run-Through Time Application 
As part of the review and amending of the Chafee County Land Use Code over the past year, the BOCC adjusted its event permitting process and for the first time now allows organizations to submit for multi-year event permits. During their discussion of a five-year special event permit for the run-through time scheduled for March 11, 2023, it was pointed out that this is not a new event. It has a successful record, and there have never been problems related to the execution. The event, organized by Falcon Events, LLC, includes a trail marathon, half marathon, and two-mile fun run. The event runs from 8 a.m. to approximately 3.30 p.m. and traverses the Arkansas Hills Trail System and ends in the Salida Riverside Park. The route takes runners through land owned by Chafee County, the U.S. Forest Service, the City of Salida, the BLM, and Union Pacific Railroad. Commissioner P.T. Wood recused himself from deliberations due to his family connection to the organizer. Christy Falcon is his wife. Commissioner Greg Felt asked for clarification of who would be assuring that county event standards and procedures were going to be met on five-year event permits, if the BOCC will no longer see them in years two through five, and was told that department staff will be enforcing the procedures and reviews. Applicants still need to coordinate with road and bridge, safety, public health, etc., so you don't have to see it, but it still gets submitted to staff to get the approvals, County Planning Director Miles Cottom said. And that's all we have time for. Thank you for joining us for the Arc Valley Voice News Program. My name is Michelle Wexler. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.